Well, good evening, everyone. The three of us are here to welcome you. <laughs> Thanks for coming out on a Friday night. Thank you, virtual audience, for joining us. You will notice that this is not a golden retriever as a standard with David, but I want you to really look at the cover of this book and see how well Scooter matches, except he's not wearing sunglasses, and I'm really sorry about that. Right, and you said that this little dog would be lunch at your house, right? For sure. <laughs> Our smallest dog is 95 pounds. <laughs> well, this one is 19, so I guess it would be, it'd be kind of hard. Are you kidding photos here while we're up here? <laughs> yeah, that's a good boy. Yes, you are. <laughs> he doesn't know what to make of this. Right. So if I put you down on the floor, can you just wander around the bookstore? Would you like to do that? Can you? Here. Oh, I'm not going to drop you. All right, so we're actually here to talk to David about his book, now that we've done all that. Here, here you go. There you go. Uh, and David and I were both agreeing in the back room that neither of us can remember the plot <laughs> of the July book called Flop Dead Gorgeous. I'm sure it's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, David, David did a uh, lunch today, a book and author lunch, in which he reprised some of his more memorable fluffs. Um, and my, my absolute favorite was when you wrote that the man lay face down on his back. Yeah, right. on the victim lying face down on his back. <laughs> <laughs> but can you remember any others? Have you had better proofreaders since those occasions? Oh, uh, well, I said another one today. Are I'm sure okay? I said it here in the past, but Laurie gets shot in the thigh, and she almost bleeds to death, and they said that I wrote that the reason the bullet in the thigh caused so much bleeding is it severed her carotid artery. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in my defense, she had originally been shot in the neck, and I changed it in a bunch of places and forgot to change it there. I mean, that's a weak defense. But, <laughs> um, I think your copy editor's at fault. Somebody should have caught that. I guess, but it, I mean, and I found out not that long ago in the first book, Open and Shut, um, Willie Miller is his client, and he's, in he's on death row for seven years until Andy gets him off. And then somebody emailed me not that long ago that there is no death penalty in New Jersey. <laughs> so poor well, Willie was stuck on death row, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no death penalty. Well, you're not a New so Jersey lawyer. There's part no. of the problem right yeah, there. I've actually asked, asked David over the years how it is that a person who basically was sort of a failed screenwriter <laughs> decided to be right about a lawyer in New Jersey. So you have to pay, you, you pay pretty good attention to lawyer parts, but... You make a lot of it up. I make it all up. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, no, I mean, no. I'm just winging it. But I, there, I have a, there's a, a reader now who's a friend who's a judge. Okay. She's a chief judge in Connecticut. And if I write something that I think is stupid, I run it by her to make sure that it's okay. So well, but I mean, you know, he does do a fair amount of courtroom work because you do oh have yeah. and so at some yeah. point you have to have it reasonably okay well, if he annoys you please tell me and i'll collect him right uh, i'm talking to oh. the he's he's now working the room and i just don't want anybody who doesn't like dogs to be annoyed <laughs> there he goes right so flop dead gorgeous was actually a july book um and it involves andy's one of well maybe one of us in fair and a former girlfriend of Andy's from how far back? High school was High it? High school. Okay. She grew up in Patterson, and she's since become a huge movie star. So he brags to everybody he meets that he dated her in high school. And then she comes to New Jersey because her mother lives there, and she's making a movie in New York, and, and she gets accused of murder. And here's a shocker. Andy defends her, and she's wrongly accused. No. Go, go figure that. Right. So has Andy ever taken on a guilty client? He in did which once, I think. Right? He did once, and um, he got him off, but then he got revenge against him subsequent to the verdict. I, I have no idea which book that was, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, but there's been a few times where Andy's client was found guilty, but he still gets, you know, in the end, Andy triumphs. So, have any watched The Lincoln Lawyer? Um, the new one. Well, do you remember in the second one with the woman that has the restaurant? And I'm I'm, I'm not going to name the name. And anyway, and so the Lincoln Lawyer defends her and gets her off. 
And she was, in fact, innocent of the crime that right. he got her. The first Lincoln lawyer on, on wherever it is, Amazon or something, his, the guy he defended was guilty. Remember, he got rid of a gun and a don't, don't tell it. Because, but actually, that's the true MacGuffin. That was the thing where it was in front of you throughout the entire right. series, and, right. you know, and you didn't realize that right. that was the deal. No, but in this one, she turned out to be innocent of the crime, which was good that he was defending her for, but then he decided she was probably guilty of something else. So, I don't remember. I saw it, and I don't remember. Yeah. But lawyers do. If, if they receive information um, that, that would prevent a crime, as I remember this, they, are, they really yes. do have to. They can't conceal it. Yeah. Right. Um, so right. I'm trying to remember if you've ever worked that into it. We've been together for every book, so it's um, a I long road there. It I don't think I've ever done that. I don't either, but I'm suggesting it as a possible plot point. <laughs> did I, uh, something reminded me before. Did I ever tell the story of how Andy Carpenter came to be? No. I think I, I, I only told everybody. Well, if you did, we may have forgotten it, well, so try again. Stop yeah. me if I did. All right. I wrote a screenplay, a uh, TV movie called Snapshot. And it was the story, basically, of Open and Shut, well, you know, which became Open and Shut. And it was Andy Carpenter and so, you know, mo some of these characters. And everybody loved this script, and nobody wanted to make it. Right? So it went in my drawer. So about a year later, Tyne Daly, well, I actually don't know what she looks like, but she must be heavy, because Tyne Daly read it and wanted to do it if I would change Andy to Andrea and make him heavy, make her heavy, right? Like put in fat jokes. So I did, right? <laughs> I don't care, right? Boy, you, you really will. Oh, never I'll, mind. Just, I'll cash the check, right? right. <laughs> so everybody thought they'd make it, and then they turned it down again, and it never got made. So I put it back in a drawer, and about a year later, uh, Cheryl Ladd read it and wanted to make it. She loved it. And we met, and she said she wants to do it, but I, I need to take out the fat jokes because she wasn't heavy, right? You know, Cheryl Ladd, right? So I did, and nobody wanted to make it, <laughs> right? So then I wanted to write a courtroom drama as a novel, and I had this script in, my, in the drawer. So I took it out, and I made a Mandy again, and that's how. But if, I, if they had never, if, if they had made the movie, then I could never have, written the novels yeah and, and then not what only american culture be like as we know it today <laughs> you know. so after all these failed attempts including some tv drama and so forth when you took the book you got a pretty good deal right I when you what? when you sold the book yeah didn't you get a contract for with sequels right You're right and i never thought of it as um a series i had no idea you know i didn't know anything about this business i didn't even take the writing the novel seriously it was like a whim, and they bought it with sequels, and I didn't even realize it was a mystery. I thought it was a courtroom drama. I didn't know, you know, I didn't realize that the genre would be in for books would be mystery until they gave it to Mysterious Press, <laughs> right? And Sarah right. and Freed. That's how I realized it was a mystery, because Mysterious Press was the publisher. So... That's a wonderful story. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's, it's fun that you wrote a lot of screenplays and none of them got made. And you well, wrote TV movies. Got, I got three you, TV you movies. You got three TV movies, right. Each one worse than the one before. <laughs> so you, you tried to write a novel or you decided to write a novel just on a whim, as you say, right? Yeah, I was on a plane and I saw for the fifth time A Few Good Men. And I really like courtroom stuff. You know, I think it's really dramatic. So I decided I'd write a, I, I'd write 50 pages of a novel is what happened. And I used Snapshot as a base. And I gave it to my wife to read, and she liked it, which is probably the last book of mine she's liked. And um, I'm just kidding about that. But uh, she's not a huge fan, but she <laughs> likes it. Um, she reads a higher class of book. So... I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, so I gave it to my film agent, and he liked it, so I finished it. And they gave it to uh, uh, my film agent. Found a new book agent, and the book agent sent it to just Warner Books. Right. And they bought it with sequels, and uh, so that was it. Well, and the I whole process took six, maybe seven weeks, from the time I started it to the time they bought it. 
Well, that's because you'd already written part of it. Although, if I recall, your entire process for even today yeah. is pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, did what's the difference between writing for the screen and writing a novel? Is it a question of expanding? There's a couple of differences. One of the differences, which is not related to the writing necessarily, is that the people in publishing are smarter and better in terms of what they do and do things more for the right reasons. Okay, so like executives like in film, I guess maybe because there's more money at stake, but they have an agenda. And the agenda is they don't want to look bad, right? So I'm sure I told this story, but if, you, if you're a film executive and you hire Aaron Sorkin to write a movie and it dies, well, don't blame me, I hired Aaron Sorkin, right? If you hire David Rosenfeld to write the movie and it dies, what are you hiring him for, right? So they used to, even when they bought a script, and I sold like 10 of them, they would look for reasons not to make it, right? So the, the one story I always tell is um, I went, uh, so I, I sold a script to Warner Brothers, and I go to the, what they call a notes meeting, and I could tell as soon as I sat down they, they weren't going to make this movie by the way they, what they were telling me about it and what to change. And what they were harping on was credibility, that everything had to make perfect sense, right? But to a, to a, I sort of agree with that, but to a ridiculous degree. And I knew they were looking not to make this. So that night, I went to see a movie. I was really frustrated by it. I went to see a movie that a friend of mine produced called The River Wild. You ever see that movie? It's Meryl Streep plays a whitewater rafting genius, right? And she goes out on a river with her wimpy accountant husband, who's like never been outdoors in his life, and there are one or two kids. And Kevin Bacon is an escaped convict. And he captures them, he takes them prisoner because Meryl Streep is the only person who's good enough to get him down this river, to navigate this river, to, right? So about a quarter of the way through, the wimpy accountant husband gets away. And he spends the rest of the movie, he goes down the side and he sets a trap for them for when they, when they arrive at the bottom, right? So I'm watching this movie having been tortured by credibility stuff. And I'm thinking, if Kevin, if, if the wimpy husband can walk down the side and wait for them, why does Kevin Bacon need Meryl Streep to get him <laughs> down his river? Right? That's really what happens in the movie. So it's like it drove me insane. <laughs> but, you know, they had agenda, an agenda. So people in publishing uh, are just better to work with. Um, in terms of the writing, it's much more freeing to write a novel. You know, I mean, I write it as I go along. So, and I don't know what's going to happen next. So if I get stuck, I could have Andy muse about the beach. He hates the beach, right, for two pages. Mm -hmm. In uh, script, you can't do that. Script, every page has to move the story forward, and it's much more constraining. So I, I, I would never write another script. So plus, if you're if it. you're writing a novel, you know you're writing it by yourself. Although eventually it goes through an editorial process. But aren't movies largely collaborative? Um, it depends. Um, if if you get an assignment to write a script, then it's it's not really collaborative, but more so. Um, but if you write a spec script, it's, you know, you're alone in a room, you know, until you hand it in, you know, until you send it out to hopefully for bids. So I, I like this much better. No contest. I'm also, this is faint praise, but I'm better at this than I am at a screenwriter because I'm not visual at all. Right. Um, if you read these books, you, you'd know. I mean, like it never rains in these books. <laughs> You know, Even I mean in Patterson, like New Jersey? Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think in terms of that. I don't, you know, of that stuff. I think in terms more of dialogue than, than, than visual. So one of the reasons that the books are fun is there's always a dog, right? That, and so they somehow or other, Andy, who is professionally retired, which is, I stole that from you because Lori called him professionally retired about, what was it, two or three books ago, remember? And so I love that. I think it's such a great phrase. 
Um, so professionally retired Andy doesn't really want to work, but it always seems to revolve around some jeopardy yeah. where there's a dog in play. Maybe getting a little old, don't you think? Mm -hmm. No, yeah, actually, so I think time. it's I think it's kind of fun, you know, to see what ingenuity you're going to apply to the, you know, to the new plot to see whether whether, you know, it's it's the dog owner. Although once or twice it's been a dog in jeopardy, but you know, what what is it? So in this book. Does the Hollywood, does the movie star former girlfriend have a dog? Yeah. Um, it's a poodle, right? I don't remember. Whatever that is. <laughs> it's a poodle. It's on the cover. Yeah. Right. Whatever that is. That's what <laughs> it is. Right. Um, she, uh, she had come to visit her mother apparently the year before, and she adopted this dog from Andy. So, yeah, she has a dog. But, I mean, it's not integral to the plot at all. No, but if she's arrested for murder, what happens to the dog? She while she the dog goes to live with Andy. Right, Andy so there we go. You know, if she's um, incarcerated. Right. That's what happens. And so what happens is um, the miniature French poodle in the book is kind of a movie star in its own right. Now, if you know anything about making movies with animals, you will know they have a union that is way superior to the union for people. And I think at this point they're required to have like three separate dogs with three separate handles handlers if they're going to have a dog in the movie. This may also be true of monkeys or whatever it might be. So um, this poodle, somehow or other, is a movie star. I'm reading the cover art because I fear whoever wrote it knows more than you and I do at I'm this sure point. The miniature <laughs> French poodle is now practically a starlet in her own right. Andy doesn't hold it against his friend. In fact, they have dinner with Jenny while she's in town filming her next big hit. But there's a plot twist that comes the next morning in that Jenny's co-star is found dead, a knife in his back. He's probably lying on his face. Um, <laughs> this time for real, right, if the knife is in his back. Um, and then Jenny's arrested. The dog comes to has to be taken care of by Andy, right? And so there's Andy once again, you know, with a client, right? Yes. Is everything he does pro bono? I mean, you know, he's well, professionally. No, she, she was wealthy; she could pay him. But the, but the next two books are pro bono, I think. The so he does charge Jenny. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I Andy's so. rich, right? That's why he's professionally yeah. retired. So yeah. I didn't think that legal fees. And then, of course, he has the secretary that, you know, she's, you sidelined her. You finally got her married well, and sent her no, off no, somewhere. No, no. She, no. She's back. Spoiler alert. She <laughs> did engagement. They broke up Aww. Uh, in July. You know, yeah, it's very upsetting. I, I'd, I'd rather not talk about it. It's very <laughs> upsetting. <laughs> so yes, Andy, uh, with all of his money, um, maintains a he, lifestyle for... What's her name? I can't remember. Edna. Edna for Edna, right? Yeah. Right. So, does he ever actually need to collect fees, or, or does he take money? He doesn't need to, but he he does when they can afford. I mean, I, when they can afford it, I don't really think I even reference it. But I, I think in this case, I don't even know if I mentioned it, but I would assume he got paid. But the next two books, he doesn't get paid. Right. In the meantime, his friends are running up a giant tab yes. in there. Yes. You know, I mean, I think about that. They're there every night drinking and eating right. and so forth, you right. know. That's a really excellent question, you know. Does he pay the tab? You mean? Oh, yeah, monthly. Probably out of his bank account. probably a bank transfer, you know. They just show up and take his money. monthly. Right. And so Lori was a, when you know, remember when Lori went off to Wisconsin? That was really traumatic for all of us. But now she's back, and she was working in the police department. Now she is no longer. She's hooked up with the K-team. Right. And so does Lori actually earn money of her own at this point, or is yeah, that too well, tough a question? I, mean, I think I wrote once in the first K-team book that they came to an agreement that of the fee that they get paid, and they don't just work for Andy, supposedly, but you never see that. But the fee they get paid, he gets, Lori gets 10%, and Marcus and Corey get 40 and 50. I don't remember who gets what or why, but um, Lori takes 10%. Okay, so, but Marcus is somebody who worries me somewhat because he's the muscle for both Andy and for the K team. Yeah, Marcus actually is much more involved, and we learn more about Marcus in the next book. Oh, good. He's a great character. I think. Does he actually get paid? Sorry? Does Marcus actually get paid? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, people, people, my agent wanted me to write a book with where Marcus was the main character, but I, I, I don't know, it's just like. Well, he doesn't talk. <laughs> he does now, he does now. He's going to have to talk in the book that you're, yeah. oh my God, imagine, right. He does now. I thought for I thought one of Lori's skills was she was the only person who could actually talk to Marcus. That was true up to a point, but then we found out that Marcus could talk. He just didn't want to. And there was <laughs> there was one scene on an airplane where where Marcus takes the controls. It's really very credible stuff. Um, what's I'm sorry. I know. I know. He'd get killed in every right. Right. But that's true. You know, that was, well, Spencer could defend himself, but let's face it, Hawk, you know, saved his life on many, right. many occasions. And remember Bubba and Dennis Lahane's five books? And I'm trying to think. Um, Is the Mike Lubica Spencer book good? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mike, Mike knew Bob really well, but Mike has a kind of, he's kind of an elf guy, and he has a sense of humor that, Really He's translates. He was my favorite sports writer, like growing up. He was very good, but it's interesting that he moved from Sonny Randall, who you know had been quiet for a long time, and then he took over Jesse Stone, which was I thought the least fun. I mean, the cases were interesting, but Jesse was always kind of a sad sack, you know. Um, and now, now he's come to Spencer. And it's been an interesting that. progression through the through the three characters. And Ace Atkins, who did write Ten Spencers, has a new book out this summer. And only today, Patrick, you'd be happy to know we got a request to do a, to host him. And Randy Wayne White, Randy Wayne White has written a new Doc Ford book. So he wrote to ask me what what should what should we do, which I sent to his publisher um, and said, you know, up for anything. So it's wonderful that these kind of you know voices from the past that I've really missed are coming back. But it'll be fun to see Ace do something on his own. Do you, do you have you Patrick knows Ace quite well. Do you have any idea what it's going to be? No. Are you going to defend us? So you you haven't heard from Ace about whether he's going to write Darkest Mississippi or he's moving in a new direction? <laughs> Left your brain. Okay. Anyway, I think that Mike is very good. And here's a great story while we're, you know, I get to tell a story. So I opened my advanced reading copy of Mike Lupica's Spencer, the name which I can't remember, Robert B. Parker's, whatever it is. And I had just agreed to go to Boston to see the John Singer Sargent show over a weekend with Dana, my house guest. And so I'm reading along in probably in Chapter 3. Spencer and Susan, always Susan, right, are having dinner in the Bistro du Midi, up a stairs with this gorgeous view of the um, the garden, whatever it is there, and having this great meal. And I thought, I wonder if it's real, because <laughs> I'm going right. So I look it up, and there it is, the Bistro du Midi. So, um, so, no, 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 it's okay. She needs to sit down, right? He's not even a little savage. Don't worry. He just wants to make friends. So I tried Open Table um, for Saturday night while I'm going to be in Boston. And if you know Open Table, only they usually only get a few tables from most restaurants. So anyway, it said, sorry, there's no available. I'm like, I'm a month out. And I thought that can't be right. So I called. And I got the, the chef answered the phone. He's the chef owner. And I said, we're coming and all. And he said, how did you hear about us? And I said, well, you're featured in the new Robert B. Parker book, and he just lit up. Oh, right. So yeah. we sent him an autographed copy after Mike was here, but when I went to Boston and we went into the restaurant, we got a corner table with a window. We got to look out at the garden. The chef cooked us like an 11-course, you know, incredible meal, the whole bit, and broke out various wines. And I mean, I'm not a big eater, so Dana and I are really foundering over this. And then, so I wrote to Mike and said, next time you go to the Bistro DVD, they'll probably treat you like royalty because they were all so excited to actually be in a book. Don't you love it? I mean, that's the great thing about reading books. You know, they take you to places you don't expect to go. Mike, if you hear about this, remember that I said it was okay. Yep. So is there is there a great restaurant in Patterson, New Jersey, in case I happen to go there? Actually, there's a great pizza place, which I met, Angie goes to a lot, called Patsy's. It's fantastic. But is the is the place where the trio hangs out imaginary? No, no. actually, that was... Um, 
That's based on a sports bar in Summers Point, New Jersey, which is way south. My wife's family had a uh, beach house in Ocean City, New Jersey. And Ocean City is a dry town, if you can believe that. And there's a causeway. And when you get over to Causeway, there's this restaurant, Charlie's, in Summers Point. And that's what it's based on. So you... Um, all of most of you may remember when David first came here with Open and Shut and subsequent books, he lived in California. And if you were here for any of those, you will know that people sometimes brought golden retrievers and David would adopt at least one because he could drive back to California. And um, the Golden Retriever Rescue Society was otherwise occupied tonight. That's why I brought Scooter, because they thought we had to have a dog. Plus, he looks like the cover of the book. But then you had your wonderful dog tripping. Well, actually, that was a nightmare, wasn't it, for you? But oh. lots of fun for the rest of us. Horrible. Drive, Horrible. Driving your entire dog in personal compound to Maine. Say again, I'm sorry. You drove the dogs and everybody to three Maine. Three RVs, 25 dogs. Yeah. 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 Right. It was horrible. It was horrible. Well, it's a very funny book. I know. Really enjoyed the book. And but the now other people that loved it. They, it's yeah? the greatest adventure. They still email each other on anniversaries. <laughs> like, remember that time we were in Iowa? You know, I was <laughs> like, it was horrible. Well, anyway, now that David's in Maine, he is not able to drive a dog home. Um, but so what we switched to with the Rescue Society is that people came and they could bid to be a named character in a subsequent book or whatever it all is. So we actually raised quite a lot of money for the Arizona Rescue Society. And then one day, hi Karen, one day uh, Karen Slaughter mentioned to me that if we were going to be rescuing dogs, what about cats, right, kittens, because that's her thing. So the Newborn Kitten Organization, which is here, we now have them come. And we raise money for the newborn kittens. So uh, if you put a monkey in a book, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> or a snake. Fortunately, Debbie, my wife, is allergic to cats, or we'd have a uh, nightmare. But anyway, it's been fun, you know, to, to have the dogs here and to, you know, to do some good. Right? Yeah. We got, we got two you, 12 You know, you're right. I should never have even brought it up. I've now planted the seed, and it's going <laughs> <No, laughs> to be really evil. No chance. But the reason I wanted to mention Maine is that, I don't remember, was it like two books ago, they send um, their son off to summer camp in Maine, and then you set a whole book in Maine, and that's actually one of my favorite books. I thought it was, it was a great plot, but it was, it was really good to spend time in Maine. Yeah, I can't remember which book that was. I'll look it up. But well, you won't know from the title. Cause I might titles, remember it. They, they come up with the that. titles before I even write the book. So it can't possibly. Do they uh, choose the dog so that you also have to oh write yeah. that particular yeah. dog into the, the book, right? The photographer chooses the dog. They send me the book jacket before I even write the book. Um, in fact, if, if they don't, when I write the book, I put XXX where the dog breed is going to be, right? <laughs> and then oh, okay. It's, uh, it's I, th I think Hemingway used to do it the same way. Actually. So it was Silent Bite, Doggy Dog, no. or Muzzled? How no, about it Muzzled? One of the summer books. I think it was probably either Holy Chow or Doggy Dog, one of those. Doggy Dog. Okay, uh, Doggy Dog would make sense because that was like three books back. I can always take out the Christmas books because they always have snow or a similar word. I know, but it's easy when you're going back through the titles to realize that right. it couldn't be Maine. But anyway, I thought that was a terrific book, and it was, you know, kind of fun to be out of Patterson, New Jersey. So are you thinking about contriving any other, you know, settings outside of Patterson? Mm, probably not. I mean, Andy goes to California in this book for a while. Okay. But the... You know, it's just... It's that, no, it doesn't have to be the whole book, but well, at least... Yeah, it's hard to move the ensemble, you know? So it's not just Andy, it's everybody. So it, it becomes difficult. Um, but no. And uh, the next two books are in Jersey. One of them is in a different county in Jersey. The, the one I just finished is in a different county, so Andy's not used to it, and it's a long drive for him. But no, I, I like the main book. That was... I like the way that came out. And then there was a Wisconsin book, which is when Laurie, after Laurie left. Right. Which I also liked. 
And then outside the series, do you all, if you've read all of them, remember the book where the guy lived in Manhattan and commuted to New Jersey? That was, I love that idea. But, that you know, that anybody would actually do that. That book, I think. Which one? Part of a Killer. Right. Oh, and that's, tell us that story again, because that's, that's one of your more significant um, So books. I wrote H Heart of a Killer, and it's got a, I thought it was a really good concept. And it's, it's um, a woman's in prison. And her for murder, I guess. And her daughter on the outside, who's like 16 or 17 years old, has a congenital heart defect, and she's going to die if she doesn't get a, a heart transplant from a perfect match. And the mother, being a perfect match, wants to give her daughter her heart because she's in prison. She doesn't need to live, so she'll commit suicide to give her daughter her heart. And the state won't allow it. So she gets this lawyer and the lawyer tries to reopen her case to prove her innocent and it becomes a thriller okay so i write the whole book and it's it's one of my the books i like the best that i've written but so i write the whole book and i have dinner with this friend who lives in maine and in maryland and he's a, a literally a world-renowned hematologist at johns hopkins and he had read the book, and he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but you don't have to be a perfect match to be a heart transplant. It's not even important. And he said, if it was important, it wouldn't be the mother. It would be a sibling. So the entire premise of the book is bullshit. <laughs> right? It's all bullshit. The whole, the whole book is premised on the mother being the only perfect match. <laughs> right? So it's all a good book, even if you, you know. Yeah, if you buy the idea that it's well, ridiculous. But, you know, <laughs> right. come on, it's fiction. You know. But when I make a mistake in a book, I, I got an email today about the carotid artery. Literally got the email today. I mean, I get them all the time when I make a mistake, and I make just a lot of mistakes. I've never gotten an email about that. Um, it's only that my friend told me. I've never got You know, there's a lot going on about, you know, kidney matches and bone marrow matches and all. So I think we're all sort of used to the idea that, you know, you have to the find a match for all this. The worst mistake I ever made, and I've only admitted this publicly recently because it's really embarrassing. I mean, these other ones are funny. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I get any – a book is going to come out like four books ago. I don't know which one. And the, the media, mafia guy, the organized crime guy is named Joseph Russo. And he's in the book. And three weeks before the book is going to come out, I get an email from a woman who I guess got an advanced copy. And she said, how is Joseph Russo in the book? He was killed four books ago. So I, I think it, she can't be right, right? Because I would remember that. So I look it up. Not only did he get killed four books ago, <laughs> he got his head blown off, right? So <laughs> so we tried to, I called Kelly, we tried to get it out, right, to change it. It was too late. <laughs> so I Some other Joe Russo, come on, that's well now, right. well, now it's Joseph Russo Jr., right? <laughs> but it was too late to change. A book was printed. So, it, I mean, it was really, it's, that's embarrassing. So um, now when people write to me, how is he alive, I tell them it's a medical thriller, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's really embarrassing. I mean, that that's over but the top. I bad. do I do the Instagram for the bookstores. The only thing I can accomplish technically, because you know I'm just not up for anything else. And I'm telling you, when you go search for have t hashtags and you put a name, you can sometimes get like 20 people with the same name. So it's perfectly possible that there was another. Yeah. Now I know, but you could that, argue that another Joe Russo. Crime head in New oh right. Yeah. Well. <laughs> What can I say? Yeah, yeah. So here's the question. If you have fluffed up medical stuff for humans, how are you on dogs? Have you ever actually done anything that, you know? No. Dogs, no? You're good no with dog dogs? No dog has ever had a hangnail in one of these books. I would get crucified. Mm. Um, uh, no. No. I mean, I people write, people tell me that they go to bookstores and they flip, they, that when a new book comes out and they flip ahead to make sure they see Tara's name near the end. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, she's I mean, a dog that's going to have an extraordinary lifespan of like twenty. She was in two thousand and two when Open and Shut came out. She was nine, and now she's seven. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> right, but people like my wife, 
is nuts about, and, and it reflects a lot of people about animals getting hurt. We, we went, this is off track, but we went to our, our local theater brings in um, National Theater of London, of England, live plays, right? They bring it in to the broadcast here. And we go to see War Horse, okay? So 10 minutes into the movie, the horse appears. And not, it's not a movie, it's a play. So you're right, see, watching him on stage, so the horse appears. It's a metal horse. It looks nothing like a horse. It's just hunks of metal, right? And it has three, I guess, puppeteers that move this metal horse around the stage. So this is not a horse, right? This is metal. <laughs> 10 minutes into the movie, somebody takes a rag and hits the horse, hits the metal horse. And my wife says, let's get out of here. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, so, so we're in the middle row. We have to get go by all our friends, right? And I'm muttering that it's metal horse abuse. You know, we have to. <laughs> so <laughs> Now, there was an NBA playoff game on that night, so I was pleased <laughs> to leave. But, yeah, so but people are really nuts about that. And, and they're not... It's an actual rule in crime fiction that all the people can die, but never the dog. Oh, yeah. You oh, know. yeah. I wrote a... I, I, when I was like three years in as a writer, I got an uh, agent sent me a, um, a book to do a blurb. And I had never been asked before, so I was really flattered. So no matter how bad this book was going to be, I was going to do this blurb, right? And I'm reading it, and on page 30, the bad guys are trying to get the protagonist to talk, to, to give up some information by torturing his cat. So I couldn't do the blurb, right? I mean, how I can't send people to a cat torture book. So I had to decline. But you can't do that. You just can't. What if it had been a snake? Sorry? What if it had been a snake? Snakes, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so it's, yeah. it's not all animals or yeah. whatever it is that's yeah. right now. This I is one of the few. Got it. So um, next July, because you probably won't be here because you know how hot it is and all the rest of it, can you give us a little hint about what books? Have you actually finished it? Oh, I just finished a Christmas one. I did two oh, you're, two so you're way ahead. The one in July is called Dog Day Afternoon. And as we're sitting here, I don't know what it's about. Um, well, neither do I, oh, obviously. Yes, I well, it, there's, a mass sh there's a shooting in an office, and six people die. And Andy winds up represent the person who's accused of it, who, of course, spoiler alert, is innocent. Um, and then the one... Where does uh, Marcus come in? Not yet? Oh, 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 oh Marcus... Marcus, where does Marcus come in? Marcus, turns out, we. L oh, you may not have noticed this, but uh, as books go by, we learn more idiosyncrasies about Marcus. So mm. one time he, we find that he goes to Vegas all the time and everybody knows him, and we find that he likes classical music, that kind of stuff. In this case, we find out that Marcus mentors, mentors kids, and uh, young adults, I should say. Finds them jobs, gets them places to live, you know, troubled kids. And one of them is the one accused of this murder. And Marcus comes to Andy and asks for a favor, which Marcus never does, apparently. And um, so Andy does it as a favor to Marcus. So we learn a lot more about Marcus uh, in the book. And then the one for Christmas, which is embarrassingly titled The More the Terrier... Who does these titles? This is quality quality work, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the one I just finished, and I, I don't know what it's about. Okay. Well, surely there's a terrier in it. There's a terrier in it. I literally can't tell you what it's about right now. I just finished it, and I got the notes today on it. Well, I can't help you. I, I don't know. I don't know but, <laughs> right. but it's but it's extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> it will certainly be extraordinary, indeed. <laughs> oh, oh, it's um a guy who would a, a mother and a and a teenage son who adopted a dog from Andy. That's how the dog gets in. 
um, the, the young guy goes on to college, to Rutgers, and is accused of murdering his professor, a professor. And that's, I mean, that's what starts it. But there's always like this conspiracy in the background, you know, that Andy uncovers, like the world's going to come to an end if he doesn't. Um, and that's true in this. How do you also. tie that into Christmas? Or don't you need to? Oh, it happens at Christmas. Yeah. There we are. Perfect. Yeah. So there's a lot of Christmas jokes, Lori, you know, with Christmas music and, and yeah. And Andy actually goes on vacation to a winter thing and has a chance to talk about how much, how ridiculous skiing is, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So since I've already mentioned how expensive it would be to film with dogs and then you'd have to have three dogs and three handlers or whatever it is, is there any... At I all interest in, you uh, know, there, the series? There's actually interest in a, a guy's writing a script uh, of Airtight. Oh, okay. Um, I once put a dog in a TV movie. I'll just tell a story. It's embarrassing. But um, it, it's the story is about a guy who, for reasons uh, too boring to go into now, shows up at this woman's house on the coast of Maine. She's mourning her, her dead husband. And this guy has a reason financial reason to scam her and um, wants her to he needs to spend time in her house so he could so he could do something and then to get her to fall in love with him and so on so anyway they go out on her boat in the ocean the guy the woman and her nine-year-old golden retriever and when they're out on the ocean he throws the dog when she's not looking he throws the dog into the ocean and then jumps in to save the dog and looks like a hero in her eyes and he gets her to fall for him. Great, right? But it, that's what the script said. They, th it was actually, uh, it was a low-budget Canadian movie <coughs> and they didn't have the money to go out on the ocean. So they go out on like this viaduct, right? Which is like <laughs> as wide as this table. And the water is really placid. And he throws the dog into the water and the dog is swimming happily <laughs> along, right? It's just horrible. I mean, <laughs> it's all the guy could do to catch up to the dog. <laughs> it's just terrible. So that's it for movie land? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, the biggest movie disappointment for me was um, Steve Carell signed <laughs> to produce and star in Dog Tripping. Oh, that would have been. And it still didn't get made. How's that for aggravating? Well, Douglas Preston, when he wrote The Monster of Florence, George Clooney bought it to produce and star in, and then one thing and another, you know, got in the way, and now he's too old to, to you know, play the part. So sometimes if you get a big name, it's a handicap. Well, it hasn't helped since he got off the project either. But, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I never thought it was really a movie. I, I just Oh, I don't know. I think it could be really no great. dramatic stuff. They get We got on a van, on a... RVs and we went to Maine. What's know, the movie know. with the wine? Remember the you know I can't remember was it set in New Zealand or here? But anyway, you know, it's people get in the van and off they go looking for wine or something. And it was a it was oh, a big oh, hit. Was that a William Goldman movie? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was Sideways. So you know, oh, I don't oh think. Oh yes, that was good. Okay, yeah. but you know, so if they can go looking for wine, I don't know why you'd think dog tripping wouldn't be fun. Yeah, I mean it's fine if you brought a check with you, you could buy the rights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. I think you should yeah. take questions from the audience while I pick up my puppy, who's All probably right. hurting lying on this cold floor. Okay. Anybody have any questions? So who came up with the move to adopt a dog to a pair of Yeah, actually, uh, when we had... Was that, was that Andy Carpenter? Was that the character that the was on death row? He's, in the books, he's more strict. The, the, um, I mean, we had a terror foundation in California, and um, we were not nearly as strict as some rescue groups. Some rescue sure. groups are like... I mean, they call them rescue Nazis. Yeah, but that's... But, but for... They're, they're rescue groups that are far more far stricter than that. Yeah, I mean, like they're, they're I mean, I mean they go to your house if your fence is five feet, yeah. not six feet. I mean, it's yeah, they're really strict. You'd be some some of the rescue groups 
turned down f families that are just fantastic. And it's aggravating to me. Right, but it's aggravating to me because these I know some of these are great homes and dogs are dying in shelters and, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's that? Yeah. Which is ridiculous. You know, I mean, if you live in an apartment, you could adopt a dog. So, you know, it, it, it drives me nuts that. Yeah. Did you? To what? Kittens. laughing because you haven't heard the story of Scooter and his sister who is not here but we had um, we had a rescue dog we still have her and she had we had a older dog and then we had the rescue dog and the older dog died leaving our rescue dog about age seven or eight all by herself and she'd never been all by herself so she wasn't very happy so we were coming back from the 4th of July with Andrew and Lee Child in their compound. So we're in the Denver airport riding on the car bus back to the airport. And this adorable dog was across the way from us like this, sitting in you know his owner's lap. And I said to Rob, you know, we're getting older. A smaller dog would be a really good thing. We can, as you see, pick him up, you know, look after him the whole bit. So we came back and Rob looked in the paper and there was this adorable dog, a breeder, I think she's a Mesa, but somewhere down in that direction. So we thought about it, and so he called, and she said that she wanted to bring the puppy up to make sure that it would be a good home, like the shelter, right? Okay, so she arrives, and she has on a sort of a backpack or something, and there's one little white face peeking out, and then there's one little black face peeking out, because it turned out that he has a sibling, and she was the last of the litter, and she put the dogs down, and she said, you know, nobody will adopt the little black dog, she said, because people don't like black dogs. So Rob, who had already been to the bank to pay for scooter, <laughs> looked at me, and he thought, okay. So he went back to the bank, and, you know. So we, there we are with the two dogs. Well, I went back. He's outside with the puppies. She's still talking to them. I had to go and sit at the front of the house in my library because I was finishing a book or something. So she came strolling out and stopped and, you know, said, you know, she enjoyed meeting us. Chope would like the dogs. And then she said, I'm really relieved, she said, because I was out with Sun, uh, to Sun City, she said, with the dog last week. And I said, oh, okay, so why are they here? And she said, well, I went out to Sun City, she said, and they were too old. I couldn't leave the dogs. So I really fought with myself. Mo most of you know that I'm actually 83, so this was like a couple of years ago. And I really fought with myself, and I thought, okay. So I said to her, how old were they when you couldn't leave the dogs? And she said, 70. And now I really fought with myself. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, based on that, we actually have drawn up a custody agreement. They, the dogs have a serious uh, trust fund. And I said to the person who's taking them both in the event that something happens to us, that I don't ever want them to be separated because they've always been together. But if it hadn't been for her saying to me, you know, I couldn't leave the dogs in Sun City, and I'm thinking, I'm 10 years older, you know, come on. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
right? Well, as I watch them cartwheel around the house, you know, diving over, they are completely undisciplined. I think I'm really glad. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> How would you know? <laughs> I remember. <laughs> right, right. That's the joke you're telling. Right. Shows Andy is insecure. Yeah. <laughs> no, hopefully my editor's not watching this. What, so l let's say I have four months to write a book. For the first three months in a week, I, I don't do anything. And then I get an email from the editor reminding me that it, the book's due in three weeks or four weeks, and I go crazy. So that that's happens every single time and it just happened and then every single time it happens I vow to myself <laughs> that I'm not going to do it again but I just I can't help it so so right yeah but I hate it because <laughs> because I don't know I, I don't have the book planned out in advance beyond two pages so it's hard to know you have this deadline coming up, and you don't know what com is coming next. So, like, you can't sit down and write if you don't know what the scene's about, right, or what what's going to happen. So that's – so, uh, no, I don't write every day. I mean, not even <laughs> close. You, 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 you had mentioned before you were just not nervous about it. Is this going to be a book or something? Yeah. It's really insightful stuff, but it's not a lot. Um, I mean, like, for instance, I, I, I got the notes literally an hour ago. I, I got the email, and I'm going to have the revise to her on Monday, and I'm flying all day tomorrow. So, so you know, but, it, but it's smart stuff, you know. It's like, especially because I rush it, I miss stuff, you know, and rushing it out the door, and, and she's really good. Um, so, no. The other thing is, I if there's anything distinctive about these books, it's the voice. Mm -hmm. And you can't edit that, like, you know. So, she does mostly plot stuff. And, like, I just, I skimmed her notes today, okay? So, in the book, I, one of the things I remember reading just now from her is, um, in this book, Andy mentions that he, he tucks Ricky into bed. Ricky's 15, <laughs> right? You so forgot. He's still the baby they yeah, adopted, yeah. the little kid. So he right? shouldn't be tucking him into bed, you know, so that kind of stuff. So. Um, she missed Russo, though. What's that? She missed Russo, though. She missed Russo. Joseph's but right. I, I, you can't blame her for that. I mean, it's right. like, you know, it's just like she's reading. She re has a lot of books to read, and who remembers that? I mean, I didn't remember that Russo died four books. She, so how would she? You know, that was well, Russo's fault. <laughs> I, mean, is I would yeah. have to say that's on her <laughs> or your copy editor. I that's mean, what I think. they should know. Well, anyway. Well, um, I don't. I don't even know if they use the same same copy editor, editor every time, yeah. right? I have no idea. But you know, you. She knows. She knows your. It's a, that one's my fault for sure. She I knows mean, your lying, tendency. Lying, finding the victim lying face down on his back. Yes, a copy editor should pick that up. But the, that uh, that a secondary character died four books ago, uh, uh, that's my fault. Um.
And my biggest fear is that I'm uh, that I'm going to repeat stuff, you know, especially jokes, like the banter between Andy and Vince and Pete. They must have. I mean, I I assume they've said the same thing to each other a bunch of times, right? Um, yeah. So no, but uh, no, I don't. The spreadsheets like this is a lot of work. <laughs> I don't do that. There is no tariff foundation uh, uh, in real life. That was in California. No, no, because in Maine there's no um, there's no rescue problem, so they don't need a, they don't need us to place dogs in there. Patrick, do you have a question from the audience over there? Yeah, a couple questions. Um, uh, David, how are your how are your pups doing? You moved with 25. Yeah, we have 12 now. Um, you know, we've been here for 12 years um, because there's no need for us there. Uh, not not so we've gotten like we just got a dog from Georgia we just got a dog from Texas, um, uh, you know and we're, so we're down to twelve we're approaching normal but we've had some two of our dogs in the last two months were diagnosed with diabetes and um, were hospitalized so that was close call and especially in one case and another dog now we just found that has lymphoma so we're having some issues lately but. Other, but they're they're basically right now doing fine. That's great. Yeah, one of our cats has uh, diabetes. Has what? We, has diabetes, and we have to yeah. shoot, it shoot it twice every a day. Hours, yeah. 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 Um, let's see here. What do we got? Um, okay, uh, this is kind of following up what Deidre was asking. Uh, Debbie says, "I enjoy the canine series, but I have to be very aware that the voice is Corey's, not Andy's." Is it challenging to write in a different voice? Um, you're talking about you know, when you know the, she doesn't mean the audio books, literally the voice. You mean the, the the dialogue, what they're saying? Yeah, yeah. It's um, not only is it challenging; it's probably beyond my capability. <laughs> I mean, I, I find out I find that to me, Corey and Andy sound alike, even though mm. they're. I try to make them different people. Like Corey is an ex-cop, and you know, more courageous and stuff yeah I, I a lot of my characters same sound the same I don't, I don't I wouldn't say I have huge range um, so yes they all tell the same you know same kind of sarcastic humor so yes it's um, it's sort of difficult I would say I'm sorry what's that the humor oh yeah thank you Basically irreverent. Yeah. yeah, we all wish that we were probably more like that in many respects. Anything else, Andrew? Um, oh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of scooter fans. Oh, good. And Say hi, uh, scoot. This is the longest he has ever sat still. In my, I'm serious. I I'm looking down to see what is is are his eyes open? Okay, I can't really see. He's never like this. He's always in motion. <laughs> Hi, puppy. You're doing very good. They make lots of off-stage appearances on the virtual events. They do. Hear them. Yeah. Um, question about uh, about his uh, sister. You know what? What's the sister's name? And I said trouble, and I don't think they thought. No, it was her name serious. actually is trouble, and she is trouble. There's no question about it. Um, she's she's black, and she has a little white goatee. And a little white ruff, and adorable. beautiful big brown eyes. And otherwise, um, she is sort of whiter and denser, and he's longer. And it, you know, as I showed you earlier, he's um, pink, and he has freckles. So his nose—he's got this adorable. Here you are. And so I realized talking to Linda Castillo last uh, July, because she has a horse that is—I um, can't remember the term—but anyway have to worry about skin cancer for the horse because it's got very pale skin and all. So I, I now worry about Scooter a lot because, I, you know, here in Arizona, it does make me nervous that, you know, he might get melanoma or something if he's out in the sun too much. So um, we, you know, and they hate rain. I will tell you this, that if it's raining, these two spoiled puppies go out and poop and pee on the patio, which is not a lot of fun for their parents, but they neither one of them want to go out and be wet. David and I had a nice discussion about 
the uh, challenges of the snow and who has poop detail at his house. And <laughs> we, um, we have a doggy door that's the size of a Lincoln Tunnel, right? Because our dogs are enormous. And, and there's a, like a, maybe a 75-foot square cement area. And then there's, a, that there's an open, always open gate from there out to we we fenced in about three acres of forest so if they go out in the forest no problem we don't want to know from, you know but if they go on the cement then it has to be cleaned up but it is going to get disgusting okay but in the winter it snows they go out they take dumps on it it freezes so you can't get it up then it snows on it again and they do it again and it, so it becomes like layers, like lasagna, right? It's <laughs> disgusting. And if, when we first moved there, I bought a snow, uh, what do you call it? A snow a blower? Snow blower. And I went out there to do it. And <laughs> I'm telling you, the stuff it sprayed was so <laughs> disgusting that I never used it again. So. Got it. Yeah. If that made it into a book? No. <laughs> no. Too close to real life, no doubt. Yeah, well, Andy walks them. So Sebastian, the, the basset hound, goes in the yard now, so he doesn't have to walk him. I'm happy to tell you that there actually are poop services here in Phoenix. And our younger daughter gave it to us for Christmas a couple of years ago, and I thought it was sort of a joke, you know, but now I've discovered that it's really a good thing, given the fact that when it rains, <laughs> the patio turns into this whatever it is. He comes on Thursdays. Shit detail. Sorry. <laughs> Had to say it. Um, yeah, Robin says, uh, laughing out loud, 12 dogs is approaching normal, <laughs> and three or more cats, we become <laughs> crazy cat ladies. <laughs> It does seem doesn't seem fair, does it? We were once in California, and we probably had thirty five dogs at the time, right? And we're sitting in the we're in bed watching television, and a commercial comes on, and it's for some cleaning product for their dogs, and the woman at the end says, "And we need it, of course. We have six. Like she's nuts, right? <laughs> and we had six in the bed with us, right? So, yeah. You know, it's funny though that pets can really stir up things. We have a had, I hope never to be repeated, a, a serious overreacher as the chairman of our HOA. We live in a 20 person, 20 hustle aided community. So they decided to rewrite the CCNRs for reasons totally unclear to me. and did a terrible job. But anyway, my favorite part was um, each household can have two dogs, two cats, and birds. Apparently any quantity of birds, no specificity for how many birds. I mean, what kind, you know. So I, I wrote back and said I didn't plan on euthanizing our older dog and kind of let it go. And I kept thinking two dogs, two cats, and birds made no sense to me. And then it was revealed to me by a neighbor that the guy that did that keeps chickens. Ah, so he keeps chickens, and so that's why there were oh. zero birds. So I, I am now an expert on the Scottsdale chicken ordinance, um, and HOAs cannot, um, I mean, you can't prevent people from, from having chickens, but what they haven't really addressed at this point is the density in the neighborhood, um, you know, where maybe chickens, because, you know, there's a lot of rural parts of Scottsdale, but they haven't gotten to that. But what I did find out is that any two complaints can remove chickens. I'm keeping that in reserve. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knew there was a chicken ordinance? I mean, seriously, you know, I think... I, I can't have roosters, though, right? No, no, I think I think because of the noise factor, yeah. Um, right, and, and, you know, in the apocalypse, we'd be happy to have chickens, right? Because then we would have eggs. So, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but um, I, I hated the fact that they, you know, it was like two dogs, two cats, and then an unlimited number of chickens. Still annoys me. You can add that to one of your books. You can have a rural setting somewhere in Patterson, New Jersey, <laughs> right? In California, we found, we were in Santa Monica, and 
the only city in Southern California that you can have more than three dogs is Santa Monica. Santa Monica, you can have as many, as it, it reads as many as you can comfortably house. Mm. That's subjective determination. But when we moved to Orange County, because Debbie took the job at Taco Bell Corporation, um, we had to move into the unincorporated areas uh, right. because, you know, to have more. Well, I think, you know, having hoarding is a, is a real problem. You've all probably read in the Republic about the woman who took in, what was it, 57 or what? It was horrible. Um, so I'm not unsympathetic with the idea of limiting, you know, I was just pissed off that you could have apparently a million birds but only two dogs. When we looked for a house in Maine, we asked a real estate agent in each place if you're allowed, and she thought we were crazy, that there's no limits anywhere in Maine, that everybody has dogs, and, it, and the idea that there would be a limit was foreign to them. A final question anybody would like to ask? No? Well, thank you very much for coming tonight. Thank you, virtual audience. Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them, and your help would be appreciated. Please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.